0: What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode number 32 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And of course, like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham from Ontario. How's it going today, Alec?
1: Oh, not too bad, Ty. You know, I had a pretty good weekend. Chock full of hockey there Friday night and Saturday, or, or obviously Sunday with the final cracking game. And Saturday, got after it a bit with the
0: boys, caught some rays, a couple of beers, and played some spike ball. Ooh, jumping on the spike ball. We had pretty much rain all weekend, so... uh and I was working all weekend. So definitely not as fun as crushing, uh, some beers with the boys, with the fellas as, uh, you got to do, but, uh, yeah. How did, uh, how did the final game of the regular season go today? My man.
1: Oh, it was a good second period.
0: Oh, good second period. Yeah, I did. I literally worked all day, just got back, you know, wasn't able to watch any of the game yet. So I'll be interested to get your takes on things, but, uh, Yeah, we were in the final week of hockey, man. Final week of regular season. Sunday night right now. So that means uh, playoffs are officially less than 24 hours away. You can pretty much call it Christmas Eve.
1: Oh, just itching. That's all I've been sitting about all or sitting here thinking about all weekend. I was like, I don't even want to watch the games Friday night. It's just like, let's get right to it. I was watching uh, actually funny Vegas and Dallas on last Tuesday there, right? Pretty important game before playoff implications were all decided. It yeah. goes to the shootout and I just turned the game off. My dad's like, what do you mean you just turned the game off? And I'm like, I'm in fucking playoff mode. I don't give a shit about shootout.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you there. And uh, wasn't there something crazy where their last three games all went to a shootout and their shooters went like 0 for 17 in that stretch? I didn't see that, but that's nuts. Yeah, they didn't score a single shootout goal in that stretch. Um, that doesn't sound pretty clutch to me, does it?
1: No, that's definitely not what you need.
0: No, not at all. But uh, why don't we jump right into the last week of hockey that the Kraken will play this year, you know, to end their inaugural season in the NHL. And uh, they started things off with, uh, I believe, game number 79. It was in Vancouver. And that's a team they have, like we talked about, struggled against all year long, dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, for being the close geographical rivalry there, it hasn't been much of a rivalry so far this season. It's definitely been all Vancouver up to this point.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's all been Vancouver who uh, just seemed to be shitting on the crack and every time these two teams have played all season long. And uh, it was a bit of an interesting battle in the crease for this one. We had, uh, of course, Joey Decord, who got called up last week, you know, getting a shot in the crease. And uh, he was going up against another third-string goalie, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he had Spencer Martin there, who had a one and 2 record coming into tonight or last night's game.
0: Yeah, and uh pretty interesting that we get the battle of the third-stringers going on. And not only that, but uh, we also seen Dennis Chelowski get called up to the big club. And we seen that because Dunn ended up uh, with an upper-body injury. So he didn't play in that game, and he didn't, didn't play – Uh, in the following two games either Uh, but I believe he was back in the lineup uh, against Winnipeg today yep yeah he played today he drew back in okay interesting interesting but yeah let's jump right into this game because uh, you know it was a bit of the opposite from what we've seen from the Kraken lately they've been getting off to these awesome starts in these first periods but uh, yeah it wasn't the best start for Seattle in this one you know so uh, it was anything but that I would say
1: yeah, they ended up giving up the first goal of the game just two twenty six into the game to Sheldon Drees, which I gotta be honest, I haven't heard of the guy before tonight's game.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if his last name is Drees, Dries, or how you pronounce that. But it wasn't the best start, and uh, less than a minute after that, J.T. Miller scores as well. So just like that, we're in a two nothing hole pretty early on.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, both of those were kind of on the weak side too. I mean, know, you, know, you definitely felt bad for Joey, who you know wanted to make a better impression than that, given it was his final time to do that with the big club this year.
0: Yeah, that's you got a feel for Joey there. And it wasn't like it was his fault exactly either. I mean, Seattle didn't even muster up a shot on net until 12 minutes into the game. So uh, Vancouver came out pouncing. And uh, yeah, they were a little bit soft on Joey, but he didn't exactly have the support he needed at the start of this game either.
1: And it doesn't help too that the Kraken are going to give up another power play goal to Ekman Larson, giving Vancouver a three, nothing lead after the first period.
0: Yeah, it was rough. And uh, especially the first 17, 18 minutes of that first period. It was basically all Vancouver. And then after that, we kind of seen the Kraken start to, uh, you know, get a little bit better and get settled into the hockey game. And, uh, you know, they managed to get uh, a few shots right before that period ended and really took some of that momentum into that second period as well.
1: And into the second there, Seattle would get a lengthy power play look, five on three, and after what felt like about 20 shots on net and a half dozen behind the back, no look passes. Jordan Eberle would bang the puck home and get the Kraken on the board.
0: Yeah, that was uh, pretty nifty. But yeah, there was so much puck movement and shots on net on that five on three. Nice, lengthy one, too. So uh, it was good to get that. And then another great look at Beneers, too, during that power play and a couple other ones we would see in this hockey game. And uh, yeah, he just... Every time I see it, it just, we just see him look way more dynamic out there on the special teams. And he just creates so much more for the Seattle team. Fuck, I, I can't stop pumping his tires.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how it goes next year when teams start planning for him, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No doubt. I,
1: I completely agree with you there. And Seattle wasn't done there either. You know, Shahan's going to win a battle down low and he'll find geeky sneaking in and he's going to go roof daddy, get the cracking back within one there.
0: Yeah. And that that was a beauty goal there too. He picks that top shelf right over the glove on a pretty sharp angle too. Uh, You love to see that from Morgan geeky. And at that point, Durham, Seattle had 13 straight shots on net in the game, carrying over from the end of that first period. And, really started to take things over in this hockey game for a little while. It was actually pretty impressive. Their pushback after being down three, nothing.
1: That's perfect. What you like to see. And another thing you like to see too, is Joey making a huge save on Garland breakaway too. I mean, he was just looking better and better as the game went.
0: I I agree too. And yeah, like we said, they're down 13 to six in shots after the first period. The shots uh, were twenty two sixteen in favor of the Kraken after the second. Uh, they completely outplayed Vancouver in that second period, and they're able to get back to, you know within that one goal deficit. Uh, I really liked what I was seeing from that uh, from that second frame from the Kraken.
1: And the third period was much of the same to start with, too, as Seattle was still controlling much of the play up until Luke Shen scores off a lucky rebounder after shot goes off to Cord's stick and took a funny bounce in behind him there.
0: That was a rough one, eh? The the way that kind of hopped behind him, hit his sh- the shaft of his stick and snuck in behind him. Yeah, that one felt like it took the momentum away from the Kraken uh, in that game. After that goal, they kind of started to fall apart near the end. And uh, they would end up, you know, giving a nice gift wrapped goal to Vancouver after, uh, you know, a bit of a bad uh, giveaway from Alexiak there to uh, send Vancouver on a two on one.
1: Yeah. And that's going to, they're going to score on that. And that's going to make it five, two, you know, it's just a bit of a tough one. Like you said, from Alexiak who blindly throws the puck into the middle of the ice, missing everybody on his own team. And then he sends Garland and Hughes two pretty highly skilled guys for Vancouver and Hughes just puts the game away.
0: Yeah, Kraken would drop it 5-2. They would get swept by their border rivals in uh, year one of the Kraken's franchise. So, uh, you know, not the way you want to start against the team you're probably going to be rivals with the most uh, heading forward in that Pacific division. But a uh, quick little note there on uh, Quinn Hughes. I thought I'd throw this in because uh, 64 points for him this year, that is actually the most by Connect's Canucks defenseman in a single season.
1: Yeah, not too shabby. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen, right? McCarr getting his uh, Colorado record. So, you know, Hughes has to be right there with him. He was right there for his rookie year. He's got to be right there with him breaking records this year. It only makes sense.
0: It only makes sense. But uh, 64 points, you, uh, you always kind of think it's going to be more than that. But, you know, defensemen weren't uh, the offense offensive defensemen, like we're seeing so much in today's game, right? It's just a, it's a different game. It's evolved. So uh, a lot more defensemen who have the ability to lead their team in points, which just speaks to how fucking amazing some of these D are.
1: Yeah. And Vancouver really kind of only had your two way guys coming up. They never really had your offensive defenseman
0: on the back end there either. Yeah. Like a pure guy like Hughes, not at all, but uh, yeah, I mean, tough game, right? Uh, I mean, they had a really good effort in this one. You throw away that first 17 minutes, and it was a pretty awesome game for the Kraken, you know. if it, But of course, you have to take away 17 minutes of it for that to be possible, but probably a much different outcome in this game if uh, a couple of those softies that went in on uh, Joey to start the game perhaps didn't. And uh, it doesn't help to Durham, that uh, just one goal on eight power play chances in this game, you know, the power play didn't look awful. They just weren't able to find the back of the net.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't go 12 and a half percent in any game ever. You, if you get eight, you got to yeah, get for, two.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, if you're trying to win that game, no way, right? No way. Poppy, no way. 12 and a half percent gets it done. But, uh, uh, you know what? They end up dropping the game to Vancouver, but they were playing the very next night and another opportunity to get that win back. And, uh, they're, playing off against the LA Kings.
1: Yeah. Their third last game of the season and second last home game against the uh, playoff bound LA Kings.
0: Yeah. The playoff bound LA Kings are, uh, you know, going to be going up against the Oilers. So they have it pretty tough and, uh, yeah, they had a chance to tie the season series between LA, another, uh, Pacific division rival. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because after dropping the first two games, they ended up winning the most recent matchup with a huge six to one victory against LA. So it was interesting to see how this game would play out based on some of the previous matchups.
1: And speaking of LA, they were rocking the silver Chrome Bucky's too. Uh,
0: what are your thoughts on them? Oh, dude, I'm not going to lie. I love them. I love the Chrome silver. I think I like those more than, uh, Well, you know, Vegas obviously started that with their uh, gold and chrome buckets, but with the LA's away jerseys, how it's the, the throwback reminds me of the Gretzky days there with the silver buckets. Oh my God. That's hockey porn for me. How about you? I don't mind them. I think it kind of really depends on what Jersey
1: I don't like Vegas's gold helmets. So, I mean, the silver's kind of a lot of the same to me. I love Vegas's gloves though. Like when they rock those gold gloves, I think
0: those are nice. Remember how crazy everyone went when uh, we first seen their away kit with the white gloves? We we're like, oh my god, like, oh, so Frank. nasty! And and they they are definitely nasty. But I'm a I'm a plus for uh, those silver buckies, the chrome ones, man. I think they they rock them pretty well, and they're not too too flashy. I like it, man. I'm all for it.
1: I'm hitting and miss, but let's move on to the first period here and see how they look on ice, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the best chance in this game uh, came off a great defensive shot block from Carson Kuhlman right off uh, just a few minutes into it, and he ended up turning that block into a partial breakaway, getting a real good chance and tight on Jonathan Quick, but he uh, gets denied there by Quick. He gets the better of him.
1: And then we'd see Wenberg trip a Kings player shortly after that,
0: too, sending the Kings to the power plate,
1: which, by the way, the Kraken would easily kill off.
0: Yeah, didn't have a problem with that one. And strong forecheck from Donato, too, forces the Kings to take an interference penalty. That would give the Kraken their first power play of the game, where the best chance of that came off a shot from Sp- from, uh, from D- Daniel Sprong there. Ends up going off the knob of Quick's uh, twig and ends up staying out. But that was a close one, especially coming off the very butt end of, uh, of Quick's knob there. <laughs>
1: Wonder if that's the last time Quickie's knob saved the day.
0: Yeah, who knows? It's uh, probably been in a couple similar situations, so uh, most likely, I would say, right? I mean, I don't know. Probably, <laughs> yeah, more likely than not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's probably pretty quick with it, anyway. So, uh, some more great looks too from uh, both Morgan Geeky and uh, Jordan Everly too later in that period. Uh, once again, though, quick and his uh, quick knob were just looking sharp early on in the game. And uh, yeah, it was looking pretty much like it was going to be scoreless, but it didn't end up being that way.
1: No, because one Kraken player would not be denied in this first period. And that's going to be our sniper, Jared McCann, with a howitzer of a shot, top shelf, his 27th on the year.
0: Yeah, that looks disgusting seeing 27 on the year for him. Oh, I, I love to see that. And yeah, that was an absolute beauty of a shot and uh, perfectly executed set play right off the draw to make that goal happen. And just very, very well done by Yanni Gord to find uh, to find McCann there and get that goal happen. That was a completely perfectly set play off the draw to execute that first goal of the game.
1: And the Kraken are going to take that first goal into the first intermission and have a 1-0 lead with a dominating effort throughout the first 20, outshooting LA 12-2. to
0: Yeah, dominance, and those are the kind of starts of the hockey game that we have been seeing as of lately. And it was good to see them have a good bounce back for their first period after, of course, the night before against Vancouver. And that great play really just kept coming in that second period.
1: Yeah, Carson Soucy is going to send a stretch pass up the boards to Eberle, who chips it to Donato, and he just drives the net, putting on a show with his deking and blah, or beats quick with a great individual effort.
0: Yeah, and another guy who, uh, like we talked about so much, this Donato guy. I mean, how many times did he get scratched this year, and he still ends up putting in uh, 16 goals on the year? I mean... Like they signed him just days before training camp started for league minimum, which is what? 750 K. So uh I don't know, man, in my opinion, they need to make sure they get this man signed. And honestly, I'd be okay with giving him a multi-year deal. I think he's deserved it.
1: Yeah. I'd be perfectly fine with a two year deal for him at a mill, mill and a half.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a, a deal you can easily get done Uh, I couldn't expect it to be any more than 2 million at most. So very affordable. And this guy could easily be a 20 goal scorer next season and the season after that.
1: Plus he'll help with the familiarity with Beniers, right? Like that's why they're playing on the line together.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And they've looked great together. That line of him, uh, Beniers in the middle and ebbs on the right. Like that has been a fantastic line since they came together. So, uh, why not? Yeah. Why not? Try to keep that going. And uh, Donato, again, another guy who could play up and down the lineup and fits in two lines pretty nicely, actually. I agree. And uh, getting back to this
1: one, you know, the Kings are unfortunately going to get a goal back here when Velarde's going to just snipe one top shelf from the slot, making it 2-1 at the halfway point of the game.
0: Yeah, and uh, they would tie the game right back up, too, with another goal from Philip Deneau, making it 2-2. And uh, But it wouldn't last too too long, would it? Nope, because 48 seconds later,
1: Jordan Eberly ditzy dangles his way through the slot and scores a vintage Eberly style goal, beating quick top shelf, and oh, what a beauty.
0: Oh, that was a nice one for, I uh, believe, his goal number 21 on the season at that point for Jordan Eberle. And uh, man, that second period, it really did just bust right open with the offense. Yeah,
1: no complaints about that at all, especially when the Kraken are the ones scoring goals.
0: Yeah, a key word there, Durham, when? Because uh, another huge save from Jonathan Quick, and uh, L.A. would actually come back the other way right after that. And once again, they tie the game right back up with their third goal of that second period. And this time it was Trevor Moore scoring for L.A. And Seattle
1: would get a late shot on the power play for the second time in the game, but they weren't able to get their lead back before the period runs out. So another second period where the Kraken have a lapse and give up a handful of goals.
0: Yeah, that's been a common theme too. Uh, I think we mentioned it last pod that uh, they, they have been getting off to these great starts, but uh, trying to sustain that lead and, and keep things a little bit more defensive. They have kind of failed at, so um, it's encouraging to see the goal scoring right off the start of the games, but a little discouraging to see them fall apart quite often in that the middle frame. Um, and man, it wasn't a good start to that third period either for Seattle. Uh, two back-to-back goals from LA, one from uh, Lys Anderson and the other from Sean Dersey. And uh, just like that, it was a 5-3 lead, or so we thought Durham because that fifth goal did end up getting waved off for goalie interference. You can't do that.
1: That's been a few times now that that's been waved off. And I like to see it Seattle being on the right side of these calls for once in the fricking season.
0: Yeah. Because at one point uh, they were tied with Columbus with eight waved off goals against them. Uh, for, And that led the league with that uh, in that regard. So yeah, definitely nice to see them actually be on the better side of those calls. It it feels like it's been the opposite way for so long of the season.
1: And then with a little momentum from that one, getting called back, Seattle's going to pour on the pressure with great chance after great chance. But unfortunately, Jonathan quick was just outstanding in the third period.
0: Dude. He really was like Seattle. They ended up getting that four minute power play to work with as well. And you know, after LA end up killed off the first couple minutes of it and a bit of change on top of that, uh, they take another pad- penalty and Seattle would get this lengthy five-on-three power play and they just couldn't buy goal, man. They just had tons of looks on net and were moving the puck so well, but just weren't able to pop one into the net. Quick really was outstanding in this game. Him and his knob.
1: <laughs> that damn quick knob all over the place.
0: It is, yeah.
1: But yeah, Eberly definitely had the best chance there after ringing one off the pipe, but no gold come out of all their power play time the Kraken were gifted with.
0: Yeah, and uh, because of that, L.A. would seal that win with an empty netter and uh, win their fifth straight game at that point. So, uh, you know, credit to L.A., who are still getting it done with some major injuries in their lineup, missing out on uh, uh, Drew Doughty and a couple others, so... That was their fifth straight win. Pretty impressive for L.A. Not so impressive for the Kraken, but uh, that wouldn't be the last opportunity to pull off a big win before the end of the season, would it?
1: Nope. We're going to have game 81 here against San Jose Sharks, our final home game of the season. Let's go Kraken.
0: Let's go, baby. And uh, you know, it was a fan appreciation night and everything, and they were going all out for it. So uh, you know, playing against San Jose, trying to go for the season sweep and take all four games against the sharks. And uh Chris Dreger was the one giving the start in this one. So any shocker there? I think maybe
1: just a little bit, you know, the last couple games Dreager's been playing well, but I kind of thought like, you know, Gru would be your guy who'd get the last home game.
0: Yeah, you'd expect that, but it uh, ended up being a huge performance from uh, Dreger and Nett, but jumping right into the first period, big start to the game for the certified shift disturber, Yanni Gord, who ends up finding the back of net with uh, with, a, with just an, an amazing snipe to the blocker side of Kackinen. Uh That was a filthy goal.
1: Yeah, well-executed three-on-two with a filthy little drop pass from Kuhlman and the crack and get-off running on fan appreciation night.
0: Yeah, and uh, Seattle would also get their first power play opportunity, and uh, oh boy, they did get close to scoring a few different times, looking very dangerous out there, and uh, a little thank you to Beneers because of that.
1: And the Kraken just kept pouring on the offense. Yeah, Adam Larson scoring his eighth of the year off a wicked point shot that ends up being tipped home by a San Jose D.
0: Yeah. And, uh, looky, looky Durham, Maddie B with an apple on that play, continuing to put up those points and extend his newest point streak too.
1: And yet another very sweet first period for the Kraken outshooting the Sharks big time with a 12 to four lead and dominated the play with a two nothing lead on the scoreboard.
0: Yeah. You couldn't ask for a better first period there. And they just, they just have it, man. They just have it against this Sharks team. And, uh, In the second, things kind of calmed down for the most part. Not a whole lot of things were happening for the Kraken, at least in that second. Uh, A lot of pushback from San Jose, which you got to expect, right? And the Kraken did end up even giving them a five-on-three chance after a couple penalties were taken from uh, the big cat and the big rig, which is Larson and Alexiak. Um, But yeah, it uh, it was just solid penalty killing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's an impressive, solid kill there, especially with Larson and Alexiak being your guys who are in the box, right? Like Those are big parts of this team's penalty kill. But especially, you also had Gordon Kuhlman just putting in work, keeping San Jose off the board, despite giving up some dangerous looks.
0: Yeah, you make a great point there. Uh, Larson and Alexiak, those are your two main guys who who actually are number one and two for... Uh, for shorthanded time spent on ice as defensemen. So uh, those are your two big guys, you know, blocking shots, getting into the stick lanes or the passing lanes. Uh, so the fact that they did it with those guys in the box, even more impressive.
1: And Treasurer also had a very solid end to the period throughout turning away all 11 shots he faced in the middle frame while the Kraken were outshot 11 to 6. But thanks to him, they're going to hold that 2-0 lead through 40.
0: Oh yeah, they held that into the third, and uh, you could just tell, man, by the way Drieger was playing, he wasn't going to give up a goal to anyone, he wasn't letting a puck get past him in the final 20 minutes, no way, he was looking real solid.
1: Yeah, it looked like he wasn't having any troubles finding the lanes, and he wasn't fighting the puck, he was getting vision on everything, like, it was just a fucking great night for him.
0: It was. There was a couple plays in that third that got a bit scrambly, right, right in front of his crease there. But uh, he just looked calm, looked composed the whole time. You knew he was hungry for that, uh, for that victory. So, you know, we would, we would kind of see that too, right? The, you know, the next thing we see basically is uh, the goalie pulled for San Jose. They're going all out for it. Obviously, down by two, so you have to push uh, nice and early. And Victor Rask would feed Baneers, who was right in the slot. And somehow, dude, that shot stayed out after I'm not sure which D it was, but the Sharks D goes down, does a bit of a double pad stacker and ends up like Robin Baneers, uh, which is too bad because you have that wide open cage. But uh, a great play by the Sharks D to keep that one out of the, the net. Nonetheless,
1: not knowing which D it was, it would not shock me whatsoever if it was Burns, just because did you see that video of him playing net with all the 10 year olds?
0: Oh, I don't think I did actually, but man, you know, he like, took a Kaken
1: gear, like Capo Kaken and their goalie. He took all his gear and went and played net for some U Eleven team scrimmage. <laughs> He's oh, just yeah, flopping awesome. around out there. They look that's good. awesome.
0: But, but yeah. back to
1: this one, eventually Rask able to bury home that empty netter. Seattle's gonna take it with a three-nothing win, and they're gonna sweep the season series against the Sharks.
0: Yeah, and uh, courtesy of uh, John Forslund, that's cracking hockey, baby. And uh, not too bad, pulling off a big win like that in the last home game of the season. And on Dreger's what we thought would be the last start for him this season for Seattle, ends up picking up his first shutout of this season, too. So uh, just outstanding stuff from Driggs there, eh? Yeah, I mean, you would have thought
1: there wouldn't have been a better way for him to end the season, right?
0: Yeah, it would have been nice, you know, if he uh, ended up not playing because uh, that would have been a big confidence booster heading into next season if he didn't end up playing uh, today and, you know, obviously losing to Winnipeg. But still, that's got to feel good to to get that monkey off his back and get a shutout, um, you know, in the last home game of the year. Uh, a big 24-save shutout for him, too, so you love to see it.
1: And especially the last home game, like you said, and on fan appreciation night, like no better way to end the season at home, right?
0: hundred percent. Sending the fans home happy on fan appreciation night. Uh, that's a big one. And, you know, obviously this team has lost a lot of games this year. You know, they finished the season third last. Um, big, big wins like that are important for this group to, to get. And big morale heading into next season. Yeah, and thing we're going to head into
1: right now is uh the final game of this season. Game 82, man. Jets cracking. Let's get it on.
0: Yeah, man, and you know I was at work so I missed it, but uh you're saying it was a bit of a back and forth kind of a seesaw battle in, in some regards?
1: Yeah, I mean it had a, you know, good start the first couple minutes it really looked like seattle was going to come out strong again and then unfortunately anyone who was watching the game saw how quickly that turned on us but it was like both teams defended the middle of the ice well it was kind of back and forth seattle had a good spurt for a few minutes winnipeg had their spurt for a few minutes and unfortunately like that was pretty much the game
0: yeah and uh some interesting lineup changes too in this one wasn't there
1: yeah i mean you Saw Sprong come in for Eberly. Dunn would return from injury.
0: And then you know, with Eberly being out, uh, of course, that Beneers, Donato, Eberly line would get mixed up. And I think it was Rask who was uh playing in that Eberly spot there. So they, they were playing Victor Rask there.
1: Yep, yeah, and those three would uh, actually start the game together, and then you had Will Borgen and Susie as your D pair to start, and uh, Chris Drieger was going to start this one too, actually. I, that one caught me off guard.
0: I, I was so shocked to hear that. No idea why Grubauer didn't get uh, one of those two last games. I was completely shocked by that. And Not only that, though, Adam Larson, that would mark all 82 games that he played in this year, so uh, not too bad. The Iron Man getting it done there.
1: Yeah, the only Seattle Kraken player to appear in all 82 games. So we have a yeah. first.
0: Yeah, pretty impressive, actually. And uh, why don't you walk through some of the first period for us?
1: Well, like I said right at the start there, like they kind of had a good start. The first shift or two looked like they had a couple legs came out flying. And then all of a sudden the tables turn when Beneers has the puck on the half wall. They're kind of coming up towards the D and throws a blind pass across the blue line. Whoops. That easily gets picked off. Winnipegs go down in a two on one and they're gonna score there. I mean, there's not much can be done by the D or the goalie. It's just kind of a tough break from a young kid. And I'm let's see how they bounce back here.
0: Yeah, and you were saying that was pretty much all the action we'd see from uh pretty much that first period, right? Both teams must have been defending the middle of the ice pretty well. And uh, you know, something something did happen in that final minute though.
1: Yeah, like you said, both teams were defending the middle of the ice quite well for most of the first period there, until about the last minute, and it got a little scrambly there, both teams took a couple chances for a rush, and you see Wenberg find Shehan come through the middle of the ice, and he gets a pretty great chance on Comrie, but unfortunately Comrie's there to deny it.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting too. I didn't realize Eric Comrie was in that for uh, that final game too. So uh, interesting to see that as well, but uh, not too bad. Things looked pretty close after the first period stat-wise. Uh, shots 10-8 Seattle, so a bit of an advantage there, even though uh, Winnipeg had the 8-6 to lead on face-offs. So they had a bit of an advantage there. And obviously they had that one nothing lead going into that second period.
1: Yeah, and then in the second period here, Oh, that's where it starts hot, buddy. Jets come out just fucking flying into the Kraken zone, create some chaos and Trigger's got to slide across, kind of a sliding dive side to side here on the crease to make a big stop on Wheeler. I mean it probably would have been goalie interference if he'd have scored it, but whatever. Instead, it's a sick highlight.
0: Uh, that's pretty wicked. I'll have to uh yeah, I'll have to catch that in the highlights. I did kind of I did see uh uh, Ealers, he would get a stretch pass and decide to buy a little time, creating a little bit of a three-on-two there where he would uh wire one off the crossbar, right? And then Seattle pick would pick up that puck. They'd head up the ice as Wheeler interferes Geeky, and that would give the crack in their first power play, right?
1: Yeah, I thought for sure that Ehlers one-timer was in when I heard the ting, and then next thing you know, they're like, so Seattle's got a power play. <laughs> Okie dokie then, which, by right. the way, the Kraken would bury on that power play. When Beniers is going to win a puck battle down low, he's going to pick up that loose puck, come up the wall. This time he's not going to have it be a giveaway. He's going to throw it cross ice on the tape to McCann. Who's going to slide it back door to Wenberg for an easy tap in.
0: And that's the big one right there is seeing McCann get in on one more goal because that brings Canner to 50 points on the year. And that's huge for Seattle, right? Because, uh, if that didn't happen, they would have been the only team in the NHL to not have a 50-point guy on their roster. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that would have decimated me. And if McCann or like Gord was a couple away, I think he ended with 48 points. So if neither of them would have got to 50, oh, I'd have lost my shit. That would have been embarrassing. <laughs> like you'd have Arizona and Montreal. They're like, yeah, not only do we have a 50-point score, Arizona's like, we have three.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it would have been a rough look without having a single person hit 50 points. But, uh, you, you know, first year in the NHL, things like that are going to happen. Um, but, yeah, how was the rest of that uh, second period?
1: Uh, things kind of settled down there for a few minutes again. But uh, then Cholowski is going to catch Winnipeg changing. He's going to find Pouliot posted up at the far blue. And when he gets the puck there, he's going to see a streaking Daniel Sprong in the middle of the ice. And he makes a deposit in the goal department, giving the Kraken their first lead of the game. Just a well-timed play there from Sprong, who's had a couple of rushes this game already today, where he's been, I don't want to say cheating, but he's definitely been cheating on offense a little bit. So yeah, it's, nice it's kind of been working out.
0: Eh? With, uh, you know, he, he's been scoring again as of recently. Of course, we talked about it last pod too, how uh, he had about an eight-game stretch after he scored uh, three goals in three games where... Uh, he didn't put up a single point. So uh, it's good to see him uh, catch a bit more heat again before uh, you know the season ended and score a couple more goals because that's going to be another guy who you have to seriously look at uh, bringing back and, and keeping on your roster because he's shown that uh, he could be a, an offensive guy for this team. So uh, it will be interesting to see what direction they go with Sprong. But uh, by the looks of it, man, it looks like uh, he could get another opportunity uh, to prove that uh, he deserves a spot on this roster.
1: I could see it. I could definitely see him being like a bottom six guy, maybe a 13th forward kind of fighting for his spot comes in when he's doing well. And then as soon as he starts to sh- slow down for a couple of games, you take him out knowing he's going to go on a streak of like no goals for six
0: games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh Man, the action wasn't stopping there either, right? It was about uh, almost uh, just less than a minute after that Spronger goal. Uh, Wenberg would pull everyone wide, and uh, Shehan kind of creeps up to the crease there. And when he puts it right on his tape, and he would toe drag and flip it over a sprawling Comrie, and it would be 3-1 Seattle just like that for an absolute beauty.
1: Yeah, that was just an incredible goal. And the only thing that stops it from being like one of the highlights of the year is Shehan looked like it was an accident like the poor guy just looked like his arms kind of fumbled apart from himself like obviously he knew what he was doing he's an nhl player he's fucking way better than i'll ever be but it was just <laughs> funny like the way his body position looked like when he was coming out of the deke it just looked like ah shit well that happened
0: oh yeah oh yeah it, it did kind of look like that and uh yeah it's kind of funny the way you break that down but wenberg man he he's such a skilled player
1: Yeah, ever since he kind of blew up in Columbus, I feel like everyone's always expected him to be that. And to be fair, like I totally did too after that breakout year. I thought Mm -hmm. he was going to be like a 70-point guy every year.
0: Yeah. But if he comes uh, back and
1: is like a 40-point guy for a depth depth player on a good team, like that's perfectly fine.
0: That's what he was for uh, uh, Florida last season too. He hit the 20-goal mark and he was just a depth guy who put up a pretty solid year. So that's... A big reason why, um, you know, Ron Francis signed him to a, a three-year deal at four and a half because they expected to see a lot of the same stuff from Winberg.
1: Yeah, I mean, just going back to the game here at a whole, just what a second period, you know. Three goals, some huge saves from Drieger, and the boys really applying pressure towards the end of that period too. I mean, you could feel like they definitely wanted this one going into the third.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, you got to watch that game, but you know, you could just tell just by looking at these stats, I mean, 25 to 13 shot advantage for Seattle after two, they poured it on in that second period clearly. And they even uh, fought back in face-offs too and uh, had a 14 to 13 advantage and, you know, after being down by one goal after the first, they end up having a, a two goal lead after two periods. So uh, it looked like it was a very, very solid second period for the Kraken.
1: Yeah, going into the third, like watching the game, I totally thought they were going to pull this out, like close it out, have a real strong 60 for the last game of the year. And unfortunately, the third's going to start with a bouncer from Connor, kind of sends everyone into a frenzy and it gets behind Dreger, but it doesn't go in as it's cleared away by his defenseman oh yeah pretty close one was it yeah it was a skipper there kind of caught everyone off guard flipping around actually both d got in behind treacher and the puck did and then they cleared it away and uh, everyone got settled in there but then 15 minutes yeah. left in the game and you're gonna have the jets run a face-off play resulting in a wheeler one timer and that's gonna cut the lead in half and on that play, Stasney's going to pick up his 800th career NHL point as well.
0: Credit to Paul Stastny there, 800 career points. That's a, that's a heck of a career for him. Obviously, he's pretty much in the twilight area of his career. I can't imagine he's going to play that many more years. I believe he's 35, 36 years old. So, oh, you know, we'll see. He, he's still in the league, but... Yeah, I was at times I was shocked that he was playing so much time in the top six, but he's still a very good veteran player out there. And 800 career points, man! Uh, credit to Stastny. Uh, obviously, he had a huge first season in the NHL, and people thought he'd be a huge stud, similar to uh, to his old man, right? Peter Stastny had one of the one of the best uh, rookie years as well. So, just credit to that family. Obviously, pretty gifted in the hockey department.
1: Yeah, no kidding, eh? hmm Yeah, and then uh, actually after that goal, just two and a half minutes later, Winnipeg's going to be running a cycle in our end, and then they're going to fire a cross-ice pass that's going to hit Dominic Toronado, and he's going to tie the game now after his shot goes five-hole on Chris Dreger there. Dom- a- Who? Dominic Toronado? Yeah. Yeah, Dominic Toronado. Who's that? <laughs> a depth player on Winnipeg. Oh it, oh it gets worse it gets worse all right after what both happened? teams spend the next minute trading chances and i'm thinking oh here we go we're gonna get one right back and just shove it up their hoop right no mm-hmm. these cha- trading chances they're gonna end with kyle connor tucking another one through Dredger's five hole and son of a bitch ty now we're losing
0: yeah that's a tough one man uh you know, they had the opportunity to try to shut things down, but it uh, looks like Winnipeg came out firing. And uh, Kyle Connor, man, he's an absolute stud. It's really hard to stop that guy. Uh, tons of speed, tons of skill, and one of the best shots in the league. I mean, just look at the amount of goals he scored this year. Unbelievable stuff. But, yeah, a bit disappointing to see that the Kraken fell apart in this one.
1: Yeah, in the third period, there. Yeah, yeah. Stumble through your words, Durham. In, I'm in the third period, there, Connor just looked like a man on a mission. Like he was flying around, stick handling through guys, making passes through, getting shots. It was, he was fun to watch in that third period. And right after he scored, Cole Lynn's going to trip a jet. So we're shorthanded, too. But then Dreger makes a few saves and Gordon Kuhlman actually got probably the best chance of the power play there and penalty kill combining like Seattle and Winnipeg because suck it, Jets. But I mean, all in all, just an ugly finish to the game. Sloppy with the puck, no support on entries and multiple turnovers in the neutral zone. And because of those three things together they weren't even able to get the goalie out of the ga- out of the cage until about 25 seconds left in the game and by then it's just way too late seattle season ends with a 4-3 loss to the jets
0: yeah not getting the goalie out obviously they were hemmed into their own zone and when you're not able to get your goalie out with without uh, or with 25 seconds left uh, that's always a rough look uh, because you know that other team is being pretty dominant against you Um, Because typically in those last two minutes, you can find some time to actually pull that off. But uh, yeah, a bit of a struggle for sure. But uh, some interesting players to to watch now uh, for the World Championships going forward for this team, right?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see, like, does Beneers go again? Obviously, he went last year. I think it would make sense for him to go. I assume he'll get an invite. Are Dunn and McCann going to get invites for Canada?
0: And then uh, you got to think a couple other players too, like Adam Larson for Sweden, Grubauer for uh, for Germany there. I, I know Tim Stutzla is going for Germany, so it would be great to see Grubauer go as well. Um, that might depend if he is kind of dealing with something nagging and that might be a reason why he wasn't playing so much near the end. It'll be interesting to watch, but Durham, that would wrap up the Kraken season, you know, their first ever season. And uh, they did get third last in the NHL this year. Uh, so just give me a quick little breakdown. Give me a review of, of how you think the season went.
1: Well, not as many wins as we hoped at the start of the year. But if it ends with a lottery win, then we'll be pretty fucking thrilled, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, obviously going back to my prediction at the start of the season. I had them between that third or fourth spot in the Pacific. Uh, they obviously didn't uh, do that well. And I think the biggest part of that was uh, a bit of disappointment from the goaltending uh, because that they were expected to take on a, a big load, of course. And a lot of, a lot of people have them as a top 10 goaltending duo. We didn't get that out of them. The, the uh, Chris Drieger actually ended up leading the team in save percentage. Uh, with an 899 save percentage to end the season, uh, that's just not going to get you into a playoff time or a playoff position anytime.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's simply not good enough. Any way you put it, if you don't have at least 915, you're probably screwed unless your team's scoring three and a half goals a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, You know, at the end of the day, man, there's still a lot to look forward to with this hockey team. And, uh, you know, they're in a, obviously they're in a, uh, like a great position for the draft coming up. So it will be interesting to see. And I believe it's, I want to say like May 10th. Yeah. Could be wrong on that. Is it? It is May 10th. Yep. Okay. Perfect. That's when we're going to find out, uh, you know, where they're going to pick in the draft. So, you know, they finished the season off. 27, 49, and 6. They end up picking up 60 points on the year. So uh, not, not terrible, though. 23 regulation wins out of those 27. So they're getting it done in regulation when they were winning. And their last 10 games, you know, a 4-6-0 and o record isn't that terrible. But uh, they get to go into that draft lottery with an 11.5% at picking first overall.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. And you're guaranteed top too, five man. pick.
0: Yeah, they're guaranteed top five because unlike past years, you can only slide two spots maximum instead of the three that uh, was typically uh, how it went. So you're guaranteed a top five pick, and that's pretty exciting too to think about that with uh, the prospects that are going to be available there.
1: I know I've already started looking at who, who I want them to take.
0: All right. I got, uh, I got Tankathon open right now. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to do a deep dive, you know, the upcoming podcast that we'll be releasing another deep dive of some of these prospects, especially after we know where Seattle's picking. But uh, just for funsies right now, Durham, we're going to do a lottery sim, uh, basically a simulator to see where Seattle lands. Uh, so are you ready for this right now? It's Montreal, 18.5 percent, Arizona, 13.5. Of course, Seattle in that third spot at 11 and a half. Then to round out the top five, it's Philly at 9.5% and New Jersey at 8.5%. So uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm going to click it right now and see, all Right? Please not, Philly. All right. Three, two, one. Oh, my God, dude. I swear to God. I'll send you a picture right now. Philly, Philly. won. Yeah. Me. <laughs> so they move up three spots. Arizona stays at two and montreal moves down two spots to the third pick and seattle falls by one spot to pick number four so uh (laughs) you just had to say please not philly didn't you and that's who wins yeah and that's who wins so uh we'll be doing that every single time or every single podcast leading up to the actual draft and we'll have some fun with that maybe we'll mark down how many times each team wins it too and and uh we'll each give a go at it but uh Yeah, it's been a fun season, man. And, uh, you know, looking forward to what next year brings and what they're going to do this offseason. I know we're going to be pretty curious about what they'll do with uh, their salary cap, especially with some of the big names that are going to be available, man. So just looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun offseason. But uh, before that, man, we got some playoff hockey to watch, and that's going to be awesome. Hockey fans. Feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their very first deposit and play Free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, Kraken fans, welcome back to episode number 32 of Keeping Up With The Krakens. And just because their season is over, Durham, we are not done talking about this team quite yet because we got some uh, fun stuff to present right now. We're going to break down our top 10 Seattle Kraken moments of the regular season. So do you want to kick things off with number 10 for us?
1: Number 10 moments for the Kraken this season? Jordan Eberle named to the all-star game, our first ever all-star for Seattle.
0: I like it. And, uh, you know, this was deserving of being on the top 10 list, uh, to have our very first all-star in the all-star game. That's Jordan Eberle. And up to that point, uh, he had a bit of a quiet stretch just heading into that all-star game. He was in a slump, but boy, did he have such a hot start to the season for Seattle that, uh, you know it was hard not to pick jordan Eberly for for how many goals he had put up uh you know right up to the date of the all-star game so that's why he's getting right on the board at number 10 coming in at number 9 october 11th 2021 seattle names mark giordano the first ever captain of the seattle kraken
1: yeah just a huge moment for the team i mean something that everyone was debating going into that first season was will they have a captain right like that's all everyone really wanted to talk about was will they name mark giordano captain and eventually they did and it was great for establishing the culture and the leadership what we want to do in the room
0: yeah you couldn't have said it better there 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 was i had no idea if they would even name a captain uh but there the clear person for the job was mark giordano and he did an excellent job uh filling that role and uh Best of luck to him in the playoffs because he's uh, getting a chance with Toronto to, uh, you know, potentially make some noise. But they're they're up against tough against Tampa. But uh, moving on, Durham, to number eight moment, the eighth best moment of the season. And uh, we're going to give this one to Jared McCann when he signed his five by five contract extension on March 8th, 2022. This was a big moment.
1: Yeah. I think this was a huge moment because like Ron Francis said it best, this was our first big RFA signing and a staple like statement to other players. We treat our guys well and they want to be here.
0: Yeah. And that's why this was important to get on this top 10 list. Um, because Jared McCann is going to be a huge part of this team going forward. And, uh, you know, clearly that's the case with this five by five contract extension and, uh, Ending the goal with, or ending the year with twenty seven talks too, not a big deal. Actually, it is a big deal, and that's Jared McCann, baby, coming in with your eighth best moment of the season. And at number seven, we're gonna
1: have Matty Beniers scores the first goal of his NHL career, a power play goal at home against New Jersey, April sixteenth.
0: Yeah, and uh, this was a, an exciting moment. Uh, because we were able to see the future of the Kraken getting on the board, scoring his first NHL career goal in just his second game played. And uh, it was a power play goal too, where he's going to do a lot of scoring in the future. So definitely worthy of a top 10 moment. And uh, coming in at number six on October 12th, Seattle plays their very first official NHL game since 1924 as the Seattle Kraken. And, uh, on that day, you know, a new era was born. And at Durham, 11 days later, they would face off against Vancouver for their very first ever home game in Kraken history. And, uh, the game didn't go quite as well as we wanted, obviously dropping a five, two decision to the Vancouver Canucks, but that building was rocking. And this was such an exciting moment. And, uh, Just a special moment for the 32nd NHL team.
1: Exactly. I mean, I like the way you put it. Even though it was a loss there, it was definitely a win for the
0: night. Oh, big time. Big time.
1: Yeah, and then at number five, we're going to have the future of the Kraken. Our boy Matty Beneers finally makes his NHL debut in a Kraken sweater against the Flames on April 12th. This for me was a huge one because it was no longer a what's it going to be like when he gets here? Are we going to be good when he gets here? What's Maddie going to do? Is he going to be ready? It was a holy shit. This is it moment. Like this is our guy, our prize prospect. He's going to be our best player unless we draft someone better this year. Possibly. I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. But it's like, this is our big prize and he's here.
0: Yeah. It was just that, you know, welcome to the future moment for the Seattle Kraken. Um, and that's why I think this moment, uh, his debut was bigger than his actually, his his actual first goal, because it was the very start, you know, it was a new chapter in Kraken history. This is your stud of the future. This is the guy they're going to be drafting their team around. I mean, with the way he's played in the last 10 games here, um, You know, that is all gonna be a factor into who they pick in the upcoming draft, knowing what type of players they have in Maddie Beneers just based on those 10 games. And it was just, you know, signaling uh, you know, the face of the franchise. And that's why I think it's important that this is um, higher up on the list than his actual goal. But yeah, you you couldn't have said it better either, man. This Maddie Beneers NHL debut in a Kraken Sweater was pretty awesome to see. Then a number four. And, oh, sorry. Oh, I'll, you can you can take number four. Go ahead.
1: Just a war throughout minor hockey. You know, got to go with it. Number four here. November 4th also. A couple of fours there. 2021. Jordan Eberly scores three goals in a 5-2 win against the Buffalo Sabres for the first ever hat trick in Seattle Kraken history.
0: Yeah, another huge moment. And, uh, you know... We could have switched this one up with the Matty Beneers one, but they were all so close, in my opinion. And uh, it was just awesome to see an, a hat-trick from this team. And uh, Jordan Everly is able to pull that off against Buffalo, and that was a, in pretty dominating fashion. But just the excitement of that game alone and seeing Everly score that hat-trick at home against Buffalo, uh, just awesome stuff to see, man.
1: Yeah, that was great stuff. I mean, getting the three goals there, it's something we're not going to see every day, right? Especially on a team that doesn't score a whole lot. So for Everly to tuck the Hattie, it was a feel-good moment for sure.
0: Yep, big time. And uh, coming in at number three on February 2nd, 2022, the Kraken defeat the New York Islanders 3-0 and pick up their first ever shutout in franchise history. And uh, with the German gentleman in net who ended up recording his 20th career shutout in that win, why is that such a huge moment?
1: It was huge because it was great for group hour kind of like we talked about earlier with the shaky, yeah, shaky goaltending to start the year. And then he finally gets his first shutout with Seattle. It's Seattle's first shutout. It's his 20th of his career. And it was just, I think, a real page turner for him. And from the rest of the year, he was a different goalie.
0: I I truly believe that too. I think after this performance, he really was a different goalie. And uh, this is your goalie of the future. I mean, he signed for another four more years after this year. I could be wrong. Could be five uh, I'm trying to think in my head. I can't remember if it was a five year or a six year. I get those numbers mixed up sometimes, but this guy's going to be around here for a while. So it was very important to see that first ever shutout and especially coming from the German gentleman to getting it done. Uh, and that's why this cracks that top three list. Another huge moment.
1: Yeah. It's sick. Cause we've got him for another five years. So if that's the groove hour we're going to have, Oof. look yeah, at Pacific. Once-
0: once this team gets better around him, uh, more of those shutties are going to be coming the Kraken's way uh, because that's that's all this team needs is to keep building around what they got right now. And that's going to help steady those numbers. And uh, Grubauer is going to be one of those elite goalies in two to three years again. I, I almost guarantee it.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a one-off there. I think
0: he's going to have a good bounce back. Mm-hmm. And coming in at number two, This was a crazy, crazy moment, man. October 23rd, 2021, in a game against the Vancouver Canucks, Kraken fan Nadia Popovich noticed a cancerous mole on the neck of Brian Hamilton, who was a staff member of the Canucks, and alerted him by using her phone to give him a little message and, and bang on the glass as well so he could turn around and read it. And uh, it turned out to be uh, malignant melanoma. And uh, that could end up being life-threatening if uh, not treated properly. So this was an absolute huge moment that happened in the year. And she actually ended up being awarded uh, $10,000 towards uh, her her medical schooling. So a good little chunk of money there that the Canucks gave her towards her scholarship for schooling um this is so deserving to being in the top three but it makes our second best moment of the whole season because uh just truly incredible moment
1: yeah i mean i like it's a great moment because it had nothing to really do with hockey right like nothing with the on ice product or how it's going to go on the day-to-day basis but it's just how the sport has like kind of a restoration and humanity here You know what I mean? Like just a complete feel good and restoration of faith
0: in humanity. Exactly. And, uh, obviously, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's bigger than hockey, right? Those types of moments. And, uh, that's why it was very touching and just, just such a, such an amazing story, um, to actually happen like that. And, uh, I, I mean, this is going to be a big story for tons of years to come. And, you know, hopefully Brian Hamilton's able to live a long, healthy rest of his life too. And just knowing that uh, a Kraken fan went out of their way to, to let him know that he had a cancerous mole on his neck like that. I mean, that's just speaks for itself how touching that is and just how special of a moment it, it was. Special of a moment. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you give us the best moment of the season Durham coming in at number one is kind of a, a little combo
1: here with our first ever win and first home win. We're going to smush the two together there and just have it be one big feel good moment. Cause fuck. Yeah. Winning's amazing.
0: Yeah. Big time. I like it. They pull off that first win ever in their third game of the season against the Nashville predators coming away with a four, three victory on the road marking their first ever win as the Seattle Kraken. And, of course, this was a special, special moment, right? And no doubt we had to throw that in with their first ever home win uh, where they absolutely crushed Montreal in a game. And I believe uh, Jordan Eberle scored about 14 seconds into that game. Uh, and it was a bit of a rematch of, uh, was it the 1918 or 19... 19 i might be blowing that but it was about 103 years after there was a bit of a stanley cup rematch going on of uh a lot of years ago so two very special games man
1: yeah definitely deserving to be at the top of the moments list there for sure like for those exact reasons especially the stanley cup rematch like suck it, montreal
0: yeah and the building was absolutely rocking and uh to be able to say that we got, you know, we got to watch those games. It's pretty special, and uh, that's why it cracks number one on our list. Because uh, moments that not only the fans, the organization, uh, but those players—they'll never forget those moments and and just how big those games really meant. Uh, so that's why it cracks number one on the list. And I think that's a pretty good list there. Yeah, I like it. I definitely like it. I think it's a great top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. And uh, why don't we uh, jump right into our Player of the Week, Durham. Do you want to give us uh, who we got for our Player of the Week the very last time of the season?
1: Our final Seattle Kraken Player of the Week is going to be none other than our All-Star, Jordan Eberle. And throughout the week here, two goals, one assist, seven shots on net, two hits, and a block. Man's doing it all.
0: Yeah, and... uh yeah, seven shots on goal. That doesn't include uh, today's numbers. Well, he didn't play today, so of course he didn't have any more numbers on that. But uh, a pretty solid week for Jordan Eberly. There was a handful of guys who definitely could have taken that Player of the Week award. But uh, still exciting stuff. And they didn't end with a win, but they ended up on a, on a pretty good note, especially picking up that last win at home of the season so you know hats off to the kraken and we'll have much more to talk about of the kraken you know heading into our next couple um podcasts but durham like we said it's christmas eve tonight man we gotta give our first round predictions for the playoffs bro
1: take them to the bank people not actual gambling advice
0: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so um (laughs) How do you want to do this? Let's start with uh, the Eastern Conference here.
1: All right. All right. Let's start East.
0: All right. East. um, We'll go with, uh, I'll throw out which series. You give me your prediction. I'll give mine. and, uh, And then we'll switch up that rotation for the West. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. Starting with Florida versus Washington here in the East. Who do you have? How many games?
1: Florida in five, and I debated on saying four.
0: Yeah, man, it's going to be uh, quick. <laughs> they're my Stanley Cup winners. But uh, funny enough, Durham, I got Florida in six. I really? think Washington somehow pulls off a couple wins against them. I don't think it's going to be just as easy as people think. There's going to be some battle from that Washington Capitals team. Um, so, So we'll see. If they're able to pull off a couple wins, that might be asking a lot of Washington. But, uh, you know, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. So I think, um, I think I'm think i okay with going with, uh, you know, Florida in six games there.
1: Yeah, I think Florida is just going to simply outscore them every single game. Like, not even close. I think there will be, well, obviously, I think there will be close one game because I have Washington winning one but yeah. I just think Florida's better in every aspect.
0: That I mean,
1: kind of hurt too right now, right? So you don't know whether you're really going to have him going. Backstrom's kind of struggled this year. Oshie's getting old.
0: Oshie's oh, just coming back from injury too, so if he could find his game, that could help out. But, uh, you know, Washington has some weapons, but they're definitely way weaker <laughs> in every aspect, you know, offense, defense and uh, goaltending and it's funny to say they're way weaker offense you know they got the 50 goal man Ovi over there but this is just going to be way too hard of a battle for Washington they don't stand a chance against Florida but uh you know I'm being nice to them and giving them two wins soft <laughs> moving right along um we have another crazy crazy series going down in the east two absolute elite contenders, legit Stanley Cup attenders um, going at it. Uh, And that's Toronto versus Tampa. Uh, So give me your prediction on this one.
1: My heart, you know, growing up around Toronto and a bunch of family, friends and family or leaf fans, my heart wants to say Toronto. But every fiber of my being other than that says, you do not bet against Tampa until they're out. So I'm going Tampa in seven.
0: Nice. I like it. I actually like it so much that I had the exact same thing. I got Tampa in seven. I think this is going to be a long series, hard fought series, but I just have to give the advantage to Tampa Bay. And that's not just because of, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously, they're they are back-to-back Stanley Cup winners, but they did a really good job of rebuilding that third line, um, especially at the trade deadline. And Stamkos is literally the hottest player in the NHL right now, and I think he's going to carry that momentum in the playoffs. And I just see them getting out in net when it comes down to that seventh game. Um, Vasilevsky, one of the hardest goalies, I mean... To get a win against back to back in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think he went the last two years without losing back to back games. So um, that's why I got to give this one to Tampa in seven games, just like you had as well. I like it. Moving right along, we got another very interesting series here. We got the Carolina Hurricanes going up against the Boston Bruins. And I'm going to hand this one over to you first, Durham. Who do you got?
1: This one and another series, which is in the West, I have is just complete fucking coin flips. They're both going seven games, in my opinion. If you asked me 20 minutes ago, I'd give you a different answer than I'm going to give you now. (laughs) I'm... Fuck, I still don't know, but I think I'm going to say Carolina. Carolina.
0: All right. I like it. It I I want to say Boston final second. And uh, I have Boston winning in seven games for this one. So I think we're both on the same page where it's going to go seven as well. And it's going to be a hard fought battle. And, uh, you know, give me your reasoning for picking Carolina, obviously the, the better team. Well,
1: i I want to say like goaltending is going to be the difference in this series, but then I look at Carolina and how they've done in the playoffs since moore has got there and they don't fucking care who's in their net. They went to the conference finals with Peter Mrazek and James Reimer. Reimer's the fucking goalie for San Jose, who's like one of the worst teams in the league the last couple of years. And Mrazek was put on fucking waivers a few months ago.
0: Yeah. Carolina is play- probably going to be okay. They should be okay. They just play such a good style as a team. They're hard nosed. They're in your face. They're on you all the time. They defend extremely well, and they just play as such a good like a whole unit. Everyone's on the same page, and that's that's really what makes that team so special and so good. Uh, obviously, they have a couple studs out front that help carry the load of the offense. But uh, I'm th- I'm th- I'm just I have to have a bit of a hunch, you know, something isn't going to go as expected. And that's why I'm going with Boston here. And I'm questioning the health of Carolina's goaltending right now. And I think that could be the big kicker on why Boston could actually take this series. And uh, speaking of goaltending, their two goalies have been really hot as of recently. Swayman's playing great and uh, Allman just picked up, his first shutout with Boston just the other night as well. So um I, I, for some reason, I think Boston is en- going to end up taking this series.
1: I would not be shocked at all. If Boston wins this series. No, I think the only thing Bertrand I would be shocked Bergeron of is and if Bergeron this
0: can game. shut any line down. Exactly. I think the
1: only thing I'd be shocked of in this series would be if it's five games or less. A
0: hundred percent game. Uh, yeah, 100% agree with that. I was going to say guarantee that doesn't make sense, but 100% agree with with that. This has to go six or seven for sure, in my opinion, but anything can happen, right? Moving right along, though, Durham, uh, I, the last series in the Eastern oh Conference, one that uh, you're definitely uh, you know, Threading. emotionally attached to, I would say, pulling on some emotional strings here, and uh, that's the New York Rangers. First, the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you got in this series, my man? Pain.
1: I think I have nothing but pain coming. Fucking Chester. Folks,
0: that sounds like a Penguins fan who has absolutely no confidence in his team right now. Why is that?
1: Because Jerry's not even on the ice, and they said he's not going to play the first two games. And look, DeSmith's all right as a backup, but he's no UC Sorrows. And he's like 5'11 or maybe six foot. I think they say he's six foot on NHL.com, so he's probably like five ten.
0: Judging a guy on his height. I see. Eh? I'm I judging see a goalie on
1: his height <laughs> since he's not UC Charles.
0: <laughs> no, I know. Fair enough. But uh yeah, how many games do you have? I don't think I caught. I got I got Rangers in five. I got Rangers and in six. I sticks.
1: believe this is going to be the last run with
0: the big three. Yeah, I know uh you got some feelings that uh Latang will not be back in uh that same jersey next season. So um and Pittsburgh what was it is it 3 years in a row or 4 years in a row they've lost in the first round. Hey, you watch your mouth. I'm just saying looking to continue the trend, man. That's all. Yeah, it's 3
1: years. 19, 20 and
0: 21. Oh. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Yeah. I
1: think they have a combined four wins in those three years. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) That's why it's five games.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a series where, you know, Pittsburgh does have some upper hands with their experience in the playoffs and you can never count sit out and, uh, what this team is able to do uh, under Mike Sullivan because they play such a good game under him. So you, you don't feel so discouraged because the Rangers are a good team at, uh, at sucking in the playoffs when that time, when it, when, you know, when it comes to being a clutch, but uh, it's all going to depend on uh, Shesh Durkin, you know, is he going to be playing like Shesh Durkin? Is he going to be a, a step lower than that? If he's a step higher than what he's playing, you're absolutely fucked. Like, you're I'm not
1: <laughs> I've already mentally resided to the fact that Pittsburgh's like going to be the better team in this series. They're going to get goal lead.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I would be, I would be shite, shite in my pants too. If, uh, if I had to go up against Shesh right now, cause the best goalie in the league right now, man, <laughs> tough. Anyways, why don't we uh, get off the depressing topic for you? Jump over to the West side, and uh, again, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give the series, but I'll start off with my predictions first, all right? Okay. All right. So first series, we're going to mention here, the Colorado Avalanche versus the Nashville Predators. And Durham, yikes. Because uh, it's very disappointing knowing that Saros is out long-term to injury, and we most likely will not see him playing in the playoffs because he was the only way they could have won a handful of games against um, the Colorado avalanche, but I'm going to be nice enough and say uh, Colorado actually loses one game and they win it in five
1: pussy Colorado and four waste of eight days for Nashville. I'm with Daryl Sutter.
0: Uh, I still look at what they can potentially do and you know, Kemper's a great goalie, but he's been known to to have a couple soft games here and there. And uh, when you have a ninety point defenseman in Roman Yossi and a couple studs up front who have been scoring uh, you know forty plus goals this year, obviously Matt Duchesne, a career year, Forsberg, career year, um, I could see them stealing a game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know that building's gonna be rocking in Nashville one of those nights, and they're gonna steal one and take it in five. So.
1: Normally yeah. I would agree with you, but I think everything hinges on Saros. Like watching that Nashville and Carolina series last year, I think Saros was the only reason they were able to steal a couple of games in that series. So without yeah. him, I think they're screwed against a team that's deeper than Carolina was last year and has yeah. more high level talent.
0: And don't forget about uh, Nathan McKinnon in the last two playoffs. I mean, he's been having great regular seasons, but once playoffs comes around, he was noticeably the best guy in playoffs up until they got eliminated each time those past couple of years. So, I mean, that could be a four or five game series where McKinnon has 12 points. So that's what I expect. He's gonna be on an absolute mission because that guy wants a cup so bad. But uh moving on from uh the obvious, Colorado is gonna take that series. We probably have the, in my opinion, this is the toughest series to call out of anyone yeah that is the minnesota wild versus the st louis blues i am looking forward to watching every bit of this series because it's going to be that good man these are two teams who are elite teams who are going to be battling it out up until the final game i got this one going to seven and a little bit dude i love st louis i love that team one of my favorite teams to watch i'm taking minnesota in seven same yep why do you have them in seven
1: i think they're a little bit deeper than st louis is like i know everyone wants to talk about like oh st louis has three lines with like multiple 20 goal scorers on them blah 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 minnesota's got better defense i think they're meaner i think their best player is going to be the best player in that series with kareel kaprisov and I think their goaltending is solid, whereas St. Louis is a bit of a question.
0: That's where I give my edge to as well. Um, for St. Louis taking the series, um, I or sorry, for Minnesota taking the series, um, I could see St. Louis maybe getting a big like blowout win, or or you know that could happen at some point just because of their offense. I do think they have an advantage. Um, with their forward core over in Minnesota, a slight advantage. Um, I do agree with you though. They bring more toughness in Minnesota's lineup and that's going to have an an effect. Um, but when you look at Minnesota's goaltending and the duel they have between Talbot and, uh, Mark Andre Fleury there, I think that's enough of an edge, uh, along with a slight advantage on the defensive side too. Um, that that's going to carry them through that first round. But, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an absolute exciting battle, and you know the the one advantage that St. Louis really has too is uh, don't forget about Con Smythe winner Ryan O'Reilly who uh, has put up six points in his last final two games of the year and is starting to get pretty hot at the right time as well. So he could be that X factor that helps St. Louis win. And uh, man, it, it doesn't matter who comes out of that series; they're gonna be facing Colorado, and that's gonna be a hell of a series as well.
1: See, that's an interesting one for me because historically, Minnesota has, like, fucking phenomenal series with Colorado.
0: Oh, yeah. I know. I'm looking forward to that. I am too, man. But uh, ultimately, we'll take Minnesota winning in seven and moving right along to uh, a couple Canadian teams in their uh, matchups here, starting with the Calgary Flames, who are going to be facing off against the Dallas Stars. And this looks like a big mismatch, Durham. Um, I got Calgary in five games. But the interesting note here is that Calgary has actually struggled against Dallas this season. Um, I just don't know how much that's going to affect them in an actual playoff series. So I I still got to go with Calgary in five games.
1: Yeah, I don't think unless it's like absolutely dominated and it's like I don't I don't think the regular season matters unless it's like within the last month right before playoffs and you get dominated in those games. That's when I think you start to get a little concerned. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you, Calgary and five. I debated on four, but I just don't think because Dallas is a one line team. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I. Th- I could totally see that line of Pavelski hints and Robertson stealing a game by themselves. And that's what they're going to have to do. They just can't do it Mm -hmm. for a series.
0: Yeah. I just don't think it's sustainable during a whole series. Like you said, man Um, Calgary is definitely going to be the one to take this series. They're just deeper in every aspect, offense, defense, big time in goaltending. I mean, uh, Dallas is going to be running with Ottinger most likely. Uh, it just doesn't compare to what uh, Jacob Markstrom uh, is doing, especially this season, obviously having a career season too. uh, This Calgary team is deadly good, man. They have some great depth, and it's going to be way too much for the Dallas Stars to handle.
1: I completely agree.
0: All right, moving on to the last series, man. Uh, We got the Oilers facing off against the LA Kings, and I got Oilers and six uh, to take this series. Who do you got?
1: exact same thing. Dude, our fucking Wests are the exact same except I have Colorado sweeping and you have them going 5.
0: That's awesome. I like that. Um it's going to be uh, exciting to see what happens there. Um again, Edmonton's been fantastic. I know LA's been a great team, but Edmonton can bring it, man. And uh they're going to be motivated, especially those top guys. They have not had good runs in the playoffs. They've only been Passed the first round once uh, in their careers, Drysaddle and McDavid there. They're going to be a very hungry team. They're getting coached really well right now. And they're actually getting some phenomenal goaltending from Mike Smith. Um, so, again, I just think their roster is actually um, you know, pretty deep looking and they're getting good defense from some of the guys they picked up like Cody CC and Duncan Keith and guys have really stepped up on that team. Um, so I, I really like what I've seen out of Edmonton and they have to win this series because there's nothing I want more than a battle of Alberta in the second round, baby.
1: That would be sick to see a battle of Alberta. Edmonton's, you know, got to get something going with McDavid and dry there too. I agree. I think, I think it could even be a shorter series than six because with Doughty out, I don't think the LA Kings defensemen are going to be able to hold McDavid and Drysidle back for six games. Like I could see that being a big issue if quick isn't ready to go dominant from game one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. And again, with Drew Doughty out, and just how many young guys they have in that lineup, it would take such a crazy performance for them to end up beating Edmonton. Um, and man, if Edmonton loses this series, I don't know what's going to happen in the off season for that team.
1: McDavid takes over as GM.
0: <laughs> not bad, not bad. Dries out as owner. Okay, so here's one from. Uh, Here's a
1: tweet from Jay Fresh that I found. A little uh, shout out. I love his shit on Twitter. But here's one that he had. He goes, a narrative I haven't heard yet. In 2012, Jonathan Quick and the LA Kings knocked out Mike Smith and the Phoenix Coyotes in the conference finals and went on to win the cup. In that series, Quick had a 939 save percentage and Smith had a 936. Ten years later and they meet again.
0: Wow. Smith had some and dirty numbers
1: hot going into this series.
0: Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah. I remember that run from, uh, from Phoenix. Well, Phoenix at the time, right. Um, I forget when they turned to Arizona, who really cares about that, uh, franchise that much, but that was a special run for that team. And yeah, I remember Dustin Penner scoring the overtime goal in, uh, just game five to send them to the cup final, um, but yeah, that was a heck of a run from Phoenix and what a goaltending duo. I know it's quick, quick, had the nastiest numbers that run and on. they, they went into that series as the eight or into the playoffs as the eighth seed and won the cup. So just shows that anything's possible, man.
1: Yeah. They just snuck in too with wins in the last couple of games of the regular season there and just exploded. I remember Kopitar in the finals. He deeked out Bordeaux just fucking nasty on a breakaway and the reporter <laughs> says to him afterwards uh what'd you see coming in on Brodeur they made you decide to go to your backhand and Kopitar's like I went to my forehand
0: <laughs> of course Jeff Carter, the reporter, too. 2, and uh either game one or game two I forget which one. Oh, wait a second I'm thinking of 2014 I think against the Devils or, no, no sorry. 2012, 2012 was the Devils. Was 2014 the, Devils, yeah, was, uh, was the Rangers. Henrik
1: Lundqvist. Yeah, sprawled right. out with yeah. Alec Boy. Martinez celebrating.
0: Yeah, rough luck. Um, Feel bad for St. Louis too on that run. Uh, I know. In the finals, but, yeah. Man,
1: that run. So, that run, no, we're going to bring this up, bringing fucking Rangers in Pittsburgh. You son of a bitch. You're going to kill me before this series starts. <laughs> Let's backtrack to 2014. It's the middle of May here. It's round two. It's Pittsburgh versus the Rangers. Pittsburgh's up three-one in this series. Now, what I'm going to say, someone might think is like you fucking piece of controversial. shit. Controversial. You would say this.
0: I yes. know. I already know where you're going with it. And it was a terrible
1: thing that happened. Terrible. St. Louis mom's di- mom died. Like
0: yeah, passed the away day before Mother's Day or
1: something like that. Yeah. And then. Obviously, everyone rallied around him and that tragedy. I, I and remember then he goes uh, off, oh yeah, go and ahead, they come sorry. back and they win in seven games, and it was just fucking away from there they go.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, a terrible thing that happened, but they were able to rally around that. And I uh, specifically remember watching on uh, Hockey Night in Canada, um, Crosby, you know, he ended up uh, going up to Marty St. Louis. That next game after his mom passed and, uh, you before know, shook his game. hand in the, yeah, shook his hand in the hallway before the game and, you know, obviously said some kind words there. So um, just speaks to the character of Sidney Crosby. He's always been that uh, A plus character guy. So uh, yeah, I'll remember that moment, but yeah, that was wild. But uh, Durham, that pretty much wraps up our uh, first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs predictions. Uh, You know, next episode, we will be jumping into the second round that will be two weeks from now. But uh, before we end this podcast off term, uh, we have a pretty neat Maddie Beneers stat, don't we?
1: Oh, absolutely. We do. Thanks to that assist today against Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. Fucking right. Good call. (laughs) Beneers becomes the fourth teenager in NHL history with points in nine of his first 10 NHL games. Can you name the other three?
0: I can because I'm looking at the stat right now. You Why son don't of you a just bitch! Say it?
1: <laughs> Joe Sakic, Jonathan Taves, and Sidney Crosby—some pretty big names.
0: Yeah, that's a hell of a company to be with. And uh, shout out to Kraken Stats on Twitter, of course, for providing that stat uh, because that's one I definitely would not have uh, come across if I tried. So Kraken Stats coming in clutch with an absolute mind-blowing stat right there. The fact that Matty Benares is just the four teenager to grow nine points in his first 10 games in the NHL. Yeah, that's mind blowing, man. It, it's no, no, crazy. no. Points
1: in nine of his first 10. Oh, games.
0: sorry. Points in nine of his first 10. Yeah, I, I totally looked at that wrong, even though I just heard you say it. But uh, thanks for the uh, the correct on that part. As a plus Where'd you get that you? stat? I don't know. Internet? <laughs> that's where I get everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, but man, exciting stuff, you know, Stanley cup playoffs start tomorrow night. I'm absolutely uh, stoked for that. A couple great games and, uh, you know, on that note, Durham, I think it's time to get the puck out of here, man. Let's go playoffs. Yeah. Let's go playoffs. And thanks everyone for tuning in to episode 32. We always appreciate it, guys. And uh, join us in two weeks from now as we will break down some of that playoff hockey, especially that first round, and start to look at what lies ahead for the Seattle Kraken team, including our thoughts on who they should draft with their first pick in this year's entry draft because we will know where they will be selecting and, of course, praying for that first overall pick, baby. And, of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all other things cracking. So, have a great couple of weeks, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.